0: Well, tonight, I want to just jump in real quick, and I want to look at a passage of Scripture tonight. Here's a here's a moment, uh, if you go on a journey with me, there's a moment in Scripture, uh, many of us would have heard about kind of this journey that takes place of, of kind of Moses uh, frees a whole bunch of people, takes them through a wilderness, and then Joshua takes them on to the promised land, and then the promised land is then conquered uh, by Joshua and his people. And tonight, I want to look at this moment once they've kind of conquered the land Joshua then takes the 12 tribes and he starts to divide the land up amongst the 12 tribes and he divides the land up depending on the size the scale of each tribe and he gives them an allotment that he feels and and, and with the outer ship they feel that God has is leading this whole process that he feels is is a God allotment to those people for the land that he promised all right you with me I haven't lost you already? All right, there, this is the moment. And then there's this, there's this, there's, there's, there's these two tribes, uh, the, the tribes of Joseph. The, these two tribes come back to Joshua because they got given an allotment and then they go and scout out their allotment. And then they come back to Joshua because they're unsettled and unhappy with what they were given. All right, anyone ever been like that on Christmas morning? So you unwrap your parents, okay, Uh, see who the favorite child is now. Uh, And you know, there's this moment where it's like they look at what they have and there's this this dissatisfaction and, and they turn to Joshua and it says this the people, this in Joshua 17, just pick it up in verse 14. It says, The people of Joseph said to Joshua, Why have you given us only one allotment and one portion for an inheritance? We are numerous people, and the Lord has blessed us abundantly. The Lord has blessed us abundantly. I was reading some stuff around this scripture, and it's quite interesting, just a point. Was here this moment, how they say he has blessed us. There's one, one writer believes, they, they didn't say he is blessing us. He said he has blessed us. And there's one train of thought, one commentary that believes that, that they, they could look back and see that God's blessing was on them. But as they look to their future, they didn't have the same level of faith that what God was with them then, will God be with me now? Like God blessed me, but will God continue to bless me? And so then they, they're unsure of that. So they go back to Joshua because they're like, well, God moved here, but now I need to try and make something happen here. And I don't know, I've even found in my lifetimes like that. Where it's like it's easy to look back at what God has done and go, man, God is so good. But then I look to my future, and it's easier to have, have, have thanksgiving towards the blessing that was than faith for the blessing to come. And so when I, I'm thankful what God has done, but now it's my hustle. Like, now I've got to make it happen. Like, I thank you, God, but now—and they've just tried this, going, man, God, thank you so much. But now we've just got to make some—so they come back to Joshua, and then this is Joshua's response. If you are so numerous, Joshua answered, and the whole country of Ephraim is too small for you, go up to the forest and clear the land for yourselves— uh, the people, in verse 16, it says, The people of Joseph replied, The whole country is not enough for us. And all the Canaanites who lived there in the, pl- in the plain have chariots fitted with iron, both those in Bethshan and its settlements and those in the valley of Jezreel. We got there, that's right, to Israel. But Joshua said, this is what I want to look at. But Joshua said to the tribes of Joseph, to Ephraim and Manasseh, you are numerous and very powerful. You will not only have one allotment, but the Forest Hill country as well. Clear it, and its farthest limits will be yours. Though the Canaanites have chariots fitted with iron, though they are strong, you can drive them out. There's this moment, this passage, this picture that's taken place where, where, where these two tribes look at their allotment, look at the size of their nation— and then they look over the fence and they look at what everyone else got. And, they, and they're like, hey, 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 well, if we're so big and we're so strong, why did we get that? Look, their, their land just looks so much nicer. Like their grass is just so much greener. Like it just seems so much easier for them. I need to try and get what they have. Like, my answer is to try and get hold of what they have. So they go back to try and take hold of what somebody else has because there's this moment where they look at their land and what they realize about about their land is it's going to take a fight and it's going to take work. But, But I thought it was the promised land. Like, I thought the promised land was going to be more like Hawaii, more like just beach and poolside. And they've bought into this idea that the promised land was easy and luxurious. And that there wasn't a fight and a battle in it. And so they look at their land and they conclude, well, this mustn't be right. Because there's still a fight. And there's still work to be done. I need what they have. Because it just seems so much easier. And I think sometimes we buy into this idea like the promise of God is just easy and luxurious. Like, like, I'm doing this God thing right when I can just kick my feet up and chew. Like, I'm doing this whole thing right when it's just easy. Like, like I'm doing by the gate right when just like 100 people turn up. That's when I'm doing it right. But why it's just me and three people and we're fighting, we're believing, we mustn't be doing it right. Because this is work in a fight. And they're convinced that they'll, they'll, they'll be in the right place when it's luxurious and easy. But I don't know if you've read the New Testament. I don't know if you looked at the life of Jesus, who models humanity in his greatest form. It wasn't that luxurious, and it wasn't that easy. He promises luxury is going to come. There's a time for luxury, but even here and now, there's a fight and a work to do. But so often we try and we think if there's a fight and work, I'm doing it wrong. And so they come back to Joshua, and they look across the fence, and there's a dissatisfaction with what they have in the situation they're in. So they are convinced that fulfillment is going to come from taking hold of something else. They're convinced of the idea that fulfillment is outside of them. Like promise is outside of them. Fullness of life is outside of them. And they end up trying to chase after something they don't need, and they miss exactly what they have. And I think sometimes even in my life, I've found myself, I chase after things I don't need and I don't take a hold of the things I have right here. And the enemy will just love us to get busy chasing after things we don't need. What if a full life, to live a full life, to live a blessed life, you need to chase after all of this. Because if he can get you chasing what you don't need, he can take your eyes off what you actually have. The access you have. The full life that God can give you in the situation, and the lot, in the life you're in. And we get caught up. I remember um, as a kid, I attended the 40-hour famine. And um, it was a bad idea. And I was never going to last 40 hours <laughs> on barley sugars. Uh, but I also have older siblings. And uh, I remember the first day, start the 40-hour famine, you know, you start with like good intentions. I'm going to help a whole lot of people. I don't know how, but that's what that school told me. And so uh, I, I'm, I'm there, and I start in the morning, and my brother from breakfast, because he didn't do it. So from breakfast, he was just on me. Man, this breakfast is so good. It's just so good. And then by morning, he's just sitting in the lounge, just eating right in front of me. And then at lunchtime, he's eating. And then we hear family friends are coming over. And he comes over to me. He goes, oh, man, they always bring good food. Like, as kids, we didn't go out a whole lot. So he's like, I reckon they're going to bring KFC. Like, I reckon they will. Like, I heard, and he's like, I heard mom say on the phone, oh, yeah, just bring some KFC. Like, he, she didn't at all. But he, he's, he's trying to, because like, his whole thing was to get me to quit. And, and, and then at, at, in about the afternoon, I, um, I went to mum and I was like, hey, you know how, how I was doing the 40 hour famine? I meant to say I was actually doing the 10 hour famine. And so by dinner time, I'm good to eat again because he had convinced me that KFC was coming. And then, I, and then, I, so I, I tell run, I'm finished the family, I done my ten hours. High five, and uh, that was awesome. And and then and then the family friends turn up and, and they had bought the stew, and I'll never forget it because I was so disappointed. I, I was just so disappointed. I remember eating it and just thinking like, oh, what have I done? What have I done? But it was this idea of like, sometimes we get this picture, like there's greater stuff out there. There's more I need to chase, and there's more I need to go after. Instead of actually stopping for a moment and thinking, man, what do I actually already have access to? Because here's these people that are convinced that fulfillment is found in taking hold of what somebody else has. You see, there's a map, actually, just just so you can see the land. The Manasseh tribe, this is the allotment of land. On this side of the Jordan, half the tribe stayed. But you look how big the allotment is. And then look how big Ephraim is. Like, compared to the other little guys. And like, they're looking over the fence going, man, if we had what they had, we'd be sussed. But not realizing actually what they already had. They actually had the largest allotment of land. They actually already had it all. They had full access to it. And so Joshua, Joshua turns, they come to this point where, um, where what, what they were really disappointed in, not the size of the land when you get down to it, just the packaging the land came in. Because all the other land seemed easier. But theirs was packaged in forest and chariots. Theirs was packaged in trees and chariots. And the, and the promise wasn't packaged in the way they thought it would be packaged. And so they come back to Joshua saying, surely Joshua's a good guy. Surely he'll, he'll understand. But what I love about Joshua is, is they present a problem. And all he really does is turn the problem back onto self-responsibility. And that's the worst. Like when you go to complain to somebody about someone and then they like make, get you to realize that it's actually your problem. Like that's not what I came here for, right? I didn't come to own my life and own my situations, all right? I just came to let you know there's a problem and oh, it's not my problem. It's your problem. And he just turns it, just flips it straight back on them. Because what they, he says is, is if you would clear the land, and you'd clear the forest, and you'd drive out the chariots, the farthest limits could be yours. Like, do you realize what you have? But if you actually just worked it, if you actually just cleared it, if you actually just fronted some stuff, if you actually faced up, if you actually dug deep. And You know, I was reading about one writer that would say, the danger is, is a generation being raised that would rather beg than dig. I'd rather just ask for it than allow the grace and the goodness of God to teach me how to work for it, take hold of it. You know, and what, what I really want to look at is, is these three kind of mentalities that I, I believe the, the people, that, that when they approach Joshua, struggle with. The first is they'd rather avoid the fight than take the territory. They'd rather avoid the fight Take the territory, you know. He, avoidance is something we all love, it's comforting to just avoid things, let's be honest. But the reality is, the, the problem isn't that, that God hasn't given them an allotment, it's just that they're wanting to avoid having to actually work the land, work themselves, dig deep. And, uh, you know, I don't know about you, but have you ever presented a problem that's not truly the problem? Like, you don't want to say what the real problem is, so you, you pitch a false problem. Like, it's like someone asks you, like, hey, we should go get a feed. You're like, oh, I'm busy. They're like, oh, no, you're not. Oh, I don't have a ride. Oh, I'll come pick you up. You're like, mate. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, I've got no money. You know, like, <laughs> the problem was you had no money. But you were just, that's the, the whole reason, that's how some of you ended up in church this afternoon. Someone was like, hey, you should come to church. And really, you're like, no, I really don't want to. But, but instead of saying you don't want to, because that's rude, you're like, oh, oh, I can't get a ride. They're like, oh, I'll come get you. Oh, mum said I'm not allowed. i got a family thing on. I just spoke to your family. You're all good. And you're like, okay, I'll get in the car. <laughs> the, the, the problem wasn't the problem, but we present a problem. And, and this is how the story plays out between Joshua and the people because they present, hey, the land's not big enough. Joshua's like, no, it is big enough. Just go cut the trees down. They're like, yeah, but there's actually chariots between us and the trees? And he's like, ah, oh. So the problem isn't the trees and that you don't fit. The problem is that you're afraid to fight. Because you believe God blessed you. But you don't believe God will continue to bless you. So I would, I I, I, I better try and get what I've got instead of take hold of what God has for me. And there's there's this avoidance. And, you know, that's why some of us don't want to go to encounter, let's be honest. (laughs) Because, you know, I love talking to some leaders after some rev, some young people are like, man, I knew if I come to some revolution, God was going to bring that up. (laughs) it's like I would rather not go because then God doesn't bring it up but then you're never going to experience the fullness of life you're never going to experience the fullness of what God has for you God only brings things up for your good so he can work it so he can help you he can build on it he can move you forward but so often we'd rather just avoid and we present problems that aren't problems and we, you know, churches are a bit hard to kind of find and so that's why I don't come. Come on, let's be honest, it's not that hard. The real reason isn't that. You just feel bad about yourself and you don't want to be in this environment. But we just project false problems. But God's like, come on, let's not avoid. Come on, let's not avoid. Let's not run from when we have a whole allotment of life God has given us, and let's not run after other things. Let's take hold of what God... The second thing is, convinced they were convinced what they had... Oh. They convinced what they have is better than what... they. Were, oh, sorry, here we are. They were convinced... <laughs> I was like, "Who wrote this thing?" They were, they were <laughs> that guy needs to go back to school. They were con- convinced what they had was better than what I have. We've already talked about this, so I won't go on it too long. But they were convinced what they had, and you know, the whole thing is that a, a lot of people, you know, pray, pray for larger, pray for more. I just need to take hold of, one, one writer said this, many wish for larger positions who don't, do not cultivate and make the best of what they actually have. That instead of actually praying for more, why don't I pray, God, help me steward what you've given me. It's like I'm praying for a new job. But the, the way I treat my current job, potentially it's not the job. Potentially it's the way you're approaching the job. Now I'm praying for promotion, but maybe it's not the promotion. Maybe it's just turning up on time, serving. And if you would cultivate and you would work with what you have. See, I can't work with what I don't have. I can only work what I have. But if I were the promise of God and the principle of God tells us, if we were to be faithful with what we have, if we would just be diligent, if we would just work the land we'd have, God would bring the enlargement. God would bring the fullness. God would bring the abundance. But instead, we're convinced that what they have is better than what I have. Yet, people are in different families, people are brought up in different situations, but you're not going to experience the fullness of God comparing yourself and trying to take hold of, well, if I just had what they had, then I'd be doing what they're doing. Perhaps not. Because what do you work to what they had? the way they worked, what they had. And there's a lot of people doing a lot, you know, one of the most humbling things, Pastor Sam, I've heard him say, and it made me sit in my seat is, you know, there's a lot, there's people doing a lot more with a lot less. I was like, that's not what I want to hear. There's <laughs> the people doing a lot more with a lot less. But their approach with this mentality, and the other way they approached was when when they thought, what they thought was their problem was actually their answer. So they thought the fact they were so numerous was their problem. But the fact they were so numerous was actually their answer. Because Joshua turns around to them and says, you are numerous and powerful. Actually having a whole lot of people isn't your problem. It's been able to utilize the whole lot of people you have to be able to move forward is actually the answer. Is actually the thing that will move you forward. Is actually, and the whole thing is they just looked at what they had with the wrong perspective. That perhaps my problem isn't my problem. Perhaps my current problem is an answer to a bigger solution, a bigger, bigger problem. That's what we love about the story of like David and Goliath. Goliath wasn't a problem. Goliath was a solution. To a shepherd boy establishing victory in front of an army of people to gain the respect. Goliath was a solution, not a problem. He was God's grace towards David. Actually, you're a shepherd boy that nobody cares about. I'm gonna put you in a fight that you can win. And instead of complaining about Goliath, often we complain God, take away Goliath, take away my giant. Woman many of you are giant is God's grace? God's grace right now. Because he wants you to find victory over Goliath, so then you can find victory in a bigger battle. And sometimes we just got the wrong perspective. Come on there. It's For some of you, know, especially students, that financial situation. What many of that's God's grace right now? I'm going to teach you how to steward here. So then you learn how to steward here. Maybe just God raining buckets of money down on you won't actually help you. But it's God's grace for you to find greater victory, for you to find greater victory. And, you know, they're, they're really what they had was they came to Joshua with avoidance, comparison, and wrong perspective. But avoidance, comparison, and wrong perspective are all things that are going to rob you. Rob you of tap, tapping into the fullness of what God has for you. The life God has for you, rob. You know what it did is it them of the realization of what they have. Am I getting a bit sweaty? <laughs> that subtle hint right there. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Ian. At least somebody's looking out for me. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> you know I love I love what well, I love Joshua's response though, because his response wasn't just go and do a whole lot of things. His response, really his first response is, you are numerous and strong. The way Joshua responded was not, hey, this is what you need to do. He just responded and said, hey, just remember who you are. Just remember. They come complaining, what are we going to do? It's not big enough. What are we going to do? There's a whole lot of work. This Cain He goes, hey, just remember. Remember who you are. Remember who's with you. Remember who's fighting with you. Remember who brought you here. You know, that's why I love Ephesians 3.20, because at at the end of it, you know how it says, now to him who's able to do immeasurably more, than we're able to ask or imagine according to the power that is work. What? Within us. It's a work that's working in us. Just remember who's working in you. Come on, your challenges, the trees and chariots in your world right now, the trees and chariots taking up space in your life that you feel like are in your way. Come on, remember who's in you. Remember who's at work in you. You know, so often we, 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 we in church, and, you know, for us that have been around church for a little while, we, we get caught up in this, it's, it's easy it's easy to just get in a routine of things we say, like, God, I love you. You know, it's kind of like I grew up with siblings, like I said, so like as siblings do, they hurt each other. I don't know why. This is how it is. And then like mum would be like, say sorry. And you're like, sorry. And then you walk on. Like you say it, but you don't mean it. Because you're just in routine of saying it. Because that's just what we do. We hurt each other and say sorry, so sorry. So. So And then every now and again, you'd have to sit down at the table. And then, hey, I need you to mean it. Okay, I'm sorry. But so often it's just like, I love you, God. Oh, yeah, God, you're with me. Oh, yeah, I heard that on Sunday, God. Your promises never fail. But there's actually got to be times where you stop and sit and remember, God is with me. God is in me. God has promises for me. God has future with me. God has a life for me. But so often we just rush over these things. And I've come to realize some of the biggest shifts in my life haven't come from new revelation. It's just come from a deeper revelation about the same truth. I remember um, being a 16-year-old, year year 12 at high school who kind of got fired up with Jesus and had all the passion and none of the direction and um, I I wasn't part of a youth ministry that knew how to cultivate uh, somebody like that. And so uh, I sat down with a friend, uh, Jesse, and uh, he was year 11, and we were like, we've got to do something for Jesus in our school. And uh, I looked at him, and he looked at me, and we're a pretty untalented bunch of people. And so we go, what do we know to do? And we were the games and giveaway guys at youth. And so I was like, all right, we know how to do games and giveaways. And so uh, what we did is uh, in our church, we found these old orange overalls. And we came up with this idea. And I, the worst thing is our youth pastor was involved in it. And so I was like, why didn't you direct this a bit better? And uh, we come up with this idea that we're going we're gonna to do something in our school and we're going to invite our whole school to youth. And so uh, we, we find these orange overalls. And what I do is I write a letter, write it out with terrible English, but I write it out. And uh, I walk up and down the main street of our town, knock on all the shops. Hey, can you give me some free stuff? I want to give it away at my school because I want to do something in there. And I'm like, yeah, sure. I got like a GHD hair straightener. I got like, and that's back in the day when they were like new. And I got Subway hooked me up. Like we got, I got prizes and prizes. All right. And uh, uh, what we do is we, we get to school and and uh, we, we, we're Period for lunch is about to start. We had organized all these games we could run and just throw hair straighteners and subway at people. And uh, we're in the bathroom, and then we're standing there, me and Jesse. And uh, th- th- there's this moment that happens. Our youth pastor is there as well. And uh, J- Jesse kind of looks at me, says, hey, you kind of know what this moment is, eh? I'm like yeah scary one <laughs> like and he's like it's kind of a never turned back moment for us he's like once we go to these doors everyone's gonna know we love jesus everyone's gonna know And he's like you up for it yeah yeah and i was like you up for it yeah let's do it and then we run out we had whistles Fight in the quad. <laughs> and, and I'm fighting for your souls. And uh, we get up on the picnic table and running games. We're doing our thing. And we do it about three times in three consecutive weeks. And we give out all this free stuff. And, and, and to be honest, no one really came to youth. Like, everyone came for the free stuff. And that's what we needed, that youth free stuff. Anyway, uh, but, and I remember reflecting on that and going, God, what was that all about? Because I really felt something there. And he goes, oh, it wasn't so much. I, what I really felt just as a teenager, it wasn't so much for them. It was more for you. And I can track back kind of my journey of God. And I'll say that was a life-defining moment for me. He just wants to say, I just wanted to know if you're willing to step out. And, 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 and trust me and love me and, and take a step of faith. All those things I'd heard all my life. They became a whole lot more real, though, when I took a step of faith. Same thing I'd heard my whole life, but at a deeper level. And and that's what I've just found with God. It's just gone deeper and deeper. And I've found as my belief gets deeper, my life gets larger. It just is what it is. That actually my job is not to try and get my life larger. My, My job is just trying to get deeper deeper into God's presence, deeper understanding of him, a deeper revelation, a revelation that cuts out my reasoning. You know how sometimes you got great reasoning, but then God gets you a revelation that just cuts through it all? It's so annoying. But it just goes deeper. And I reckon for some of us, it was like for, for the tribe, it was you, they were like, we are so numerous. And Joshua was like, yeah, you are numerous. They're like, oh, we don't put that together. <laughs> the fact that we've got heaps of people means we could do this thing. And we hear scriptures greater is, me, and greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. We're like, oh, yeah, sorry, mum. And we just treat it like that. But if you would just allow to take time and just take a moment and let God just develop deeper, deeper into your life, your, your perspective will change on everything. Your fullness of life will develop, it will grow, it will move forward. The enlargement of my lot starts with the enlargement of me. The enlargement of my lot doesn't start by what others give me, the opportunities I get presented, the things around me. The enlargement of my life starts with an enlargement in me. If I would get bigger, if I would go deeper, my life would be fuller and go further. See, the biggest reason, just to finish here, if keys want to come. The problem wasn't that they were too big for the allotment. The problem is just that the allotment was full of other things. The allotment was just full of trees and chariots. And instead of addressing the trees and chariots, they'd rather just try and live in a smaller world. And we're talking about the fullness of life and abundance life. For that to take place, sometimes there's trees and chariots that we need to address, we need to go after, we need to work instead of just avoiding it and living smaller, that I actually remember who's in me, who's with me. God has called me. God has chosen me. I grew up a Christian kid. The amount of times someone has said, God has a plan and a purpose for your life, I couldn't count. But also the amount of times I didn't believe God had a plan and purpose for my life. I'd heard it, but wouldn't believe it. And there's just times where you've got to stop and let the revelation of what we say and what God is saying sink deeper. And the deeper God can go in your life, the larger your world will become. But sometimes we're just in this rush. We're just rushing. It's like on to the next, on to the. Next. I remember getting my driver's license, and like I was definitely one of the like ears enough kind of people. The main reason is because I didn't. Re- I like I just get bored at the gas station. But the real reason was because I didn't have money. But, but the reason I'll tell you, you know, and, and so I'd, what I'd do is I'd always fall up enough to get to where I was going, but never really think to where, where what was beyond that point. And uh, we'd just get enough, get here. Okay, get enough to get here. Get enough to get here. Just that's how I was living. My claim to fame, though, is I ran out of gas one day, about 100 meters from the gas station, and uh, I managed to put my foot on the clutch and roll to the gas pump. I was like, I timed that perfect. Just perfect. The problem is, some of us kind of treat God like that. Just like, I'm in a rush, I'll just get enough to hear, and I'll just get enough to hear. And then there's somebody over here that's just filling up, going deep, getting revelation. And then you're over here and you're looking back and say, why is their world getting bigger? Why is their life seem so more fulfilled? It's not because I got given anything you didn't get given. It's because they just allowed the time to dig deep into what God was doing. They just allowed time. Some of you are like me. Even this afternoon, you just rolled in here on E. You're just lucky you ran out of gas in the right place. There's so many people that run out of gas in the wrong place. And then you just get a pump from anybody. Honestly, I've been there. I ran out of gas in my early days a few times. It's just, hey, man, have you got 20? (laughs) Have you got a gas can? And, you know, knock on farmer's doors. Because we're not filling up. And then we end up filling our life with other things. And then we end up going, God, why is my life not full? God, why is my life not abundant? It's because you didn't take the time to go deep. Because the deeper you go, the deeper the revelation, the greater the perspective The realisation God loves you and God is for you will cause you to not want to avoid anything but allow God into everything. The realisation that God has a plan and purpose for your life that's going to blow your mind will cause you not to care really about what they're doing. God's got a plan for me. The deeper we go, the larger God can take us.